Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, and we are marking out the days. I am one half of the retrosexuals of the hosting squad, Dave Rosenmuth, and joining me is the mayor of Retromania, the mad scientist, the original retromaniac himself, Kobe Knighter. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, Dave? Uh, I am so excited for next week, man. It's the launch of Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Man, the official start on Podbean, everything going down. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty pumped and excited for this launch. Um, you know, I, it's it's cool to be a part of this, and I want to personally thank you for, you know, touching base with me a number of months ago and chit-chatting it up with me, and eventually now it's this this partnership and this friendship has grown to now where we are going to be launching this this uh, pro wrestling podcast network. Uh, it's pretty exciting. I'm, 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 I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to um, watching this evolve and grow. It's, it's very exciting, man. And like I was telling uh, a new addition to the podcast network, which we'll get into that shortly, um, uh, yeah, it's just incredible. You and I started talking within the last couple of months, and then we just grew this whole thing, and then Retromania was a brainchild of mine, and uh, Jimmy's from the beginning, and it just spiraled into this. And, uh, man, I, I can't wait for the launch, man. We got a whole list of great shows coming down do you want to start to preview what's going to launch on the network april 4th yes april 4th is a very special edition of marking out the days which will be next week by the way for those of you checking out your calendar is um kobe and i you know it's business as usual however um, we're going to dedicate this show solely to WrestleMania 9 because 26 years ago to the date, WrestleMania 9 took place April the 4th, 1993 from Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, Nevada. One of the worst WrestleManias in history, and we are going to cover it from soup to nuts. It's going to be, you know, uh, the, the, the good, the bad, and the really ugly. And we're going to get into it because someone's got to do it. So check us out next week, April the 4th. Marking out the days, WrestleMania 9 coverage. And then we move on to, <clears throat> excuse me, because I got this lump in my throat. I'm, I think I'm excited, and it's almost making me speechless here. Excuse me one <laughs> second. <clears throat> All right, that was a little exaggerated, but nonetheless, um, April the 5th, Friday evening, um, or Friday during the day, whenever we decide we're going to drop it. But at some point on April the 5th, Friday, April the 5th, next week, we're going to bring you our rest, a special marking out the days or just a, a special WrestleMania top 10 countdown show. Kobe and I have our own individual WrestleMania top 10 list. We give you the reasons why they made the list and we compare and contrast and we, you know, we, we have fun with it. And then yeah, Saturday... Man. I believe this is going to take place Saturday morning, if I am correct. Uh, yes, it will. Early in the day, Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, we've, we've made a little change to the format, if you will. For those of you that have been tuning in and listening each and every week, um, I'm going to be holding off my debut on Gaijin Wrestling Radio. Instead, joining Kobe for that special Ring of Honor G1 Supercard preview show and NXT TakeOver recap show. 
is going to be my good buddy, Tony, otherwise known as AC, who is going to be debuting his very own show here on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network called The Cool Down with AC. Yes, uh, I've, known, I've, I've known Tony for quite a while. Um, good buddy of mine knows his wrestling, and he's going to jump on board. He's going to cover uh, mainly some Ring of Honor independent stuff, some NXT stuff. So he's going to he's going to wet your palate if you're a big ROH guy. So he's going to be joining Kobe for Gaijin Wrestling Radio uh, G1 Supercard Preview Show and NXT Takeover Recap Show, and then Sunday, uh, Sunday WrestleMania Sunday. Over on Kicking Out at 2, you can find a very special watch party that's set to take place as Justin and I sat down recently and we watched Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker from WrestleMania 25. So it's WrestleMania Sunday morning as you're getting yourself together and you're getting your, ho- your, your house in order for your big WrestleMania party or if you are going to be going to WrestleMania and you need something to listen to on the way to get you hyped up, then listen to our watch-along special or our watch party, I should say, of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker WrestleMania 25. You can get to a TV and watch it on WWE Network, then by all means you'll be doing me a favor. Hit that mute button and enjoy and indulge in the alternate commentary from Justin and myself on what I call the greatest match in professional wrestling history. And also on Sunday, Kobe and I are going to be giving you guys a Hall of Fame recap. We're going to be recapping the 2019 Hall of Fame ceremony that took place the night before. And then we're also going to be giving you guys some quick picks on the WrestleMania card. We're not going to cover all 78 matches on WrestleMania this year, but we're going to, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to cover at least a good, like a, a good chunk of them. Maybe like five or six. We're not going to go too yeah. crazy, but we're going to give you our quick picks on matches that we're looking forward to some of the big marquee matches the women main eventing wrestlemania um kofi kingston going after the wwe championship against daniel bryan we're going to cover all of that and then some uh but not too much because you know we 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 just don't have enough time uh, if we cover wrestle the entire wrestlemania card it's going to bleed into the wrestlemania pre-show it's probably going to start at like one o'clock in the afternoon at this rate oh, but God. yeah that is our um Oh, and I also forgot to mention, too, at some point during the weekend, we are going to have, a, we, we talked about it recently, the run-in with uh, BZ Carter and Tito Martinez. They are going to be debuting their show, WrestleMania Weekend. They're going to be previewing all the events that are taking place in the New York metropolitan area for, uh, you know, WrestleMania Weekend. So, Evolve, WWN, Joey Janela's Spring Break, House of Glory, uh, MLW Fusion, the Ring of Honor G1 Supercard. The WrestleMania, the, the Mania tail, the Mania Club tailgate party in the parking lot of MetLife Stadium. You can get all that information from those guys, TZ uh, and Beto, <laughs> BZ and Tito, <laughs> over from the Run-In, which is also going to be joining us at the RetroMania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm out of breath and my mouth is dry, and I need something to drink. So, Kobe, you take over the reins. Man, I cannot wait. Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is set to launch April 4th. That's right. You can find us on Podbean or Google Play or Stitcher or iTunes or any fucking podcast network or anything. Searching Retromania with a W. That's W-R-E-T-R-O-M-A-N-I-A podcast at any podcast app searching network. Um, yeah, and you'll find everything there. Eventually, we will grow to a YouTube page and uh, have special stuff there lined up. But you'll have the archive of every single show that 
I've done with Retromania and Hulkamania is Dead. That's the first season of The Origin of Attitude, retracing the steps of the beginning of the Attitude Era launch for WWF, the pre-years, uh, the storyline between Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, and Vince McMahon, as well as guest episodes, bonus episodes with guests that come on and talk about their favorite or not-so-favorite matches, events, and storylines and feuds. Sometimes we have some watch-alongs as well, just like Dave's kicking out at 2. We specialize in stuff like that, and that's what we want to get aiming towards for YouTube um, and watching along easily there. Um... Then we also do Hulkamania is Dead. That's the alternate storyline that Jimmy and I have provoked since 1984, breaking the leg of Hulk Hogan, the Iron Sheik, and changing the storyline of WWF forever. Well, at least until 1993. We have about two years left, and that's right. Hulkamania is Dead will return WrestleMania weekend, and that's going to be Hulkamania is Dead WrestleMania 7. We'll be covering WrestleMania 7, alternate to- the alternate storyline that we have going on. Uh, be sure to follow back from episode 1 all the way to episode 13 so far. And man, it's been deep dive that we've been doing there. As well as Gaijin Wrestling Radio, we'll be back with um, New Japan Wrestling covering all that stuff there everything going on with the new japan cup leading up to the g1 special and just like dave spoke about i will be teaming up with ac here and there for cool down with ac as well as a collaboration with gaijin wrestling radio we'll be running down roh pay-per-views nxt takeovers um, the collaboration shows with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'll be keeping Gaijin Wrestling Radio kind of more uh, New Japan centric. And the match of the month will continue. You will get the match of the month for February and March on the launch of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network weekend. Um, those are some fun matches there each month I run down like a special or not so special match that happened retrospectively that month in the history of New Japan or ROH or NXT anything around that way so uh, sometimes I have a guest sometimes it's just me Um, so stay tuned all that stuff is gonna be on retromania pro wrestling podcast network like we've uh been filling our mouths full with or your ears full with and dumping out of our mouths for the last 10 minutes (laughs) uh i I can't wait though needless to say yeah needless to say we are excited and i hope you guys are too yeah, loaded lineup, ready to go. Wrestling fans who can't make it to WrestleMania weekend, who, who who can't participate in all the festivities, join us on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. There's a variety of different shows and different things going on over there to get you all excited for WrestleMania weekend. If WrestleMania is not your thing, there's all kinds of stuff. You got TakeOver, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, the Ring of Honor G1 Supercard, all that stuff. We're going to be covering everything and then some for WrestleMania weekend over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Yes, indeed. 
Um, needless to say, you want to plug your site, you want to plug um, anything else, um, yeah. oh, and yeah. then we can get started. Absolutely. Kicking out at two. Uh, what we got going on this week? We got to part two, the sequel of WrestleMania MVPs covering 2002 to 2018. We've expanded the roundtable. Justin and I have brought Dennis on board, Dennis J. Levy, who's a good friend of ours. We've got the band back together, and uh, we went down the list from 02 to 2018 on our respective WrestleMania MVPs. That was definitely a, a very interesting one, to say the least, uh, when it came down to uh, some of Dennis's picks. Uh, really, really really threw us for a curveball a few times on some of his MVP picks for uh, the kicking out at two WrestleMania MVPs. Um, also, this week, over kicking out at two, uh, you can find a bonus episode that's set to drop this weekend. Uh, sometime this weekend, either Saturday or Sunday, not sure. Uh, by the time some of you may be listening to this, it'll already have been dropped. But, um, Dennis joined me for a very special watch party of the Sting Triple H match from WrestleMania 31. Uh, we, we sat down, we watched that match. We, we got to relive some nostalgia with the NWO and DX cameos. And uh, it was a lot of fun going back and watching that match. So you can find that over in the archives at SoundCloud.com as well as Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out of Two and our Twitter handle at Kicking Out Two, K I C K N O U T and the number two. And next week, next week we got a we, we, WrestleMania. WrestleMania week in full gear. Um, you know, on our show and kicking out at two, I'm going to be bringing you guys WrestleMania weekend memories where um, I, I, I managed to get, you know, some, 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 some old traveling buddies together uh, on, on different occasions. And we sat down and we talked about um, our WrestleMania weekend excursion. So Justin joined me, uh, my old buddy Ken Reedy from the Ken Reedy Show. We just sat down and we talked about our, uh, our, our, our memories together going to several WrestleManias. So we talk about, you know, uh, interactions at the hotel with other wrestling fans and uh, some of the different you know aspects of the weekend with fan access, the Hall of Fame, attending some WrestleManias. Ken talks about how he's going to be attending the Ring of Honor G1 uh, Supercard show at Madison Square Garden. All that and so much more for our WrestleMania weekend memory show. And then WrestleMania Sunday, like I said, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, watch party from WrestleMania 25 over at Kicking Out of Two. And that's what we got going on over in the land of KOA2. Man, cannot wait. That sounds great. Um, and as well as all those archive episodes will be available on the network. Yes, yes. You can find every launch. single episode of Kicking Out at 2 archived on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network when you head over to Podbean. Yep. Um, you ready? Well... You ready to get into this day? Yes, I am. Let's do it, ma'am. The bus has departed. We have our calendars and our Sharpies. Let's cross off March 28th and get into it. All right, let's do it. Um, you ready to run down some birthdays? Because we don't have any death days. We do not have any death days, but we have two very significant birthdays of two individuals who... Um, I enjoyed watching his performers. They're no longer with us, and I'm not going to... We're not going to shit on these individuals' birthdays because they don't deserve it. But um, on this date, March the 28th, both Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, and Umaga were born. Um, mm -hmm. Both individuals, talented performers. Mr. Perfect, one of the all-time greats. 
Um, you know, we could we could probably do a whole show on Mr. Perfect with all the things that he's accomplished in his career. Former AWA World Heavyweight Champion, second generation wrestler, Intercontinental Champion. Uh, the, the, the list goes on and on. The classics he's had with guys like Bret Hart and, you know, just a who's who of, you know, guys in the industry that he has worked with. Mr. Perfect is, without a doubt, one of the all-time greats, an individual gone way too soon. And yes. uh, um, Umaga, um, I enjoyed the Umaga character. I liked the Samoan Savage. And, uh, you know, he was a part of some big storylines. He was, you know, he was the guy that represented Vince McMahon in the Battle of the Billionaires at WrestleMania 23. Um, I really enjoyed his style. He was a very athletic big man, um, part of that big Samoan dynasty of that Anawai family. And uh, another individual that was gone, you know, that was taken from us way too soon. Um, Mr. Perfect and Umaga, may they rest in peace. Yes. Um, happy birthday to them. You forgot two others, though. I did? Yes. Oh, I feel like such a jerk. I'm so sorry. All right. Could so, Wednesday, March 28th, 1956, Danny Davis. Danny Davis. We're talking the crooked referee, Danny Davis? Yes, indeed. The Danny we Davis are. that was suspended from the WWF as a referee for life plus 10 years, according to Gorilla Monsoon. That mm. Danny Davis? Yes, indeed. Well, okay. Yep. Um, I, and my my apologies. My apologies. I completely spaced and I forgot. No, wow. it's okay. Any memories from him? Um, the fact that he was um, he was a, he was the third member of the Hart Foundation, so to speak, um, who mm-hmm. were just announced recently that they're going to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame uh, WrestleMania weekend. So that should be a lot of fun. But Danny good thing Davis, to bring up. Hey, hey, why am I not in there? Why am I not in there? Jimmy, Jimmy Hart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim, I think honestly, the reason why they didn't put him in with the two of them is because they're probably going to have him induct Honky Tonk Man. You know. Okay. Nice. Nice. Good so call. That, that's just my guess is that why they why they didn't put him in. Plus, like they don't need to make him a two time Hall of Famer. Like you know, mm-hmm. just they don't need to make Booker T a two time Hall of Famer. But nonetheless, Danny Davis, yeah, he was you know like the third member of the Hart Foundation, and I just remember like. You know, I didn't care. I didn't know about this as a kid, but like as I've gotten older, you know, paying attention a little more to some of the details, you know, the Danny Davis suspended for life plus 10 years as a referee. I always found that to be uh, quite amusing. And um, then one day he just showed up wearing a referee outfit. and That was the end of it. He was back on the job. So uh, I guess that suspension yeah. didn't last very long. But wasn't he, was he other gimmicks as well or anything else? No? Not that I recall. Um, okay. Not that, I, not that I recall. I think he just did the referee. I think he was just a referee. All right. And then the other one here, Wednesday, March 28th, 1962, The Warlord. The Warlord. Oof. The Warlord. The only, you know, I, I mean, powers of pain, um... You know, with him and Barbarian as a tag team, they looked rather intimidating. Um, there was a great story I heard about Warlord. Um, Kevin Nash told us in a shoot interview once. Nash said that well, Warlord used to, if you couldn't tell, um, partook in uh, you know performance enhancing drugs. Um, mm-hmm. No yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, and so. Uh, Warlord one day, <laughs> Warlord.
warlord one day asked Shawn Michaels to, uh, you know, stick the needle in his ass to shoot him up with the with the steroids. And warlord was so warlord used steroids so much, and he was so big and you know muscular that when Shawn Michaels stuck the needle in, the needle wouldn't go through. And Shawn Michaels said to him, "He's like, dude, I think you're full." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah, and that was the end of that. That's 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 my warlord story there. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, um, I mean, I thought I thought he was pretty like intimidating as a kid, but then oh, as yeah. I got older, mm, yeah, you know, in ring work, it's just he's very stiff and stilted. His greatest uh, match was with the British Bulldog at WrestleMania Seven. Hey, I was just about to say that. Yep, oh, I like that match. No, no, no. I I really like that match. Um, I think we talked about that on our WrestleMania uh, markdown moments, at least. The top 10 countdown? Yeah, we at least yeah. noted WrestleMania 7 for... Oh, yeah, that's in my top 10. That's yeah. in my top 10 as one of my all-time so favorite WrestleMania. So WrestleMania 10 was in mine as well as um, uh, 20 from last yep. week's episode. It was in mine. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So talking about awards, just going through stuff, we talked about last week, the warrior award. Remember when we said they didn't give it to somebody that did that stuff. And then now all of a sudden they announced the warrior award for somebody who does, what is it exactly? She's, uh, she, I, she's been with the company for 30 years. I don't even remember the lady's name to be honest with you. That's terrible of me. I, I guess I didn't expect to talk about this lady tonight but um no, she okay. um she uh she was the one she was a, she was a an individual within wwe's i think public relations department and high high up on the, the 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 corporate bureaucracy of the wwe uh very instrumental in setting up um all the, the partnerships cancer like foundations yeah. make a wish and special yeah. olympics and things like that and she was very very she was she was the brains behind it all um setting that whole partnership up so they're actually doing right by the intentions of warrior with this warrior award um by honoring someone in the company that nobody you know publicly really knows of um and and honoring her contributions to the to the company and what she's done with these charitable organizations like Special Olympics and Make a Wish and things like that, so I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it is very cool. Um, I, it's just funny that we talked about it last week and then it came up within the week of our show. Oh, I know the, the timing of it's pretty. <laughs> it's, it's pretty coincidental. It's WrestleMania season, baby. So let's get ready with this day, March 28th. Let's do it. Um, let's start from the top on my end. A notable moment. MSG show from 1966. Bruno San Martino defeats King Curtis Iakia. Clean. Clean, baby. Yeah. You know yeah. about King Curtis Iakia? Yeah. The only My only recollection of King Curtis Iakia was... Um uh in his uh his time as the as as the father for the dungeon of doom Sullivan uh, my son <laughs> Sullivan that was my, my best oh father he, he's the he's the father of mania yeah exactly. but he's the father of prince Ike yeah 
Yeah. Um, but he was a relative known wrestler in the Hawaiian Pacific Northwest region. Uh, very famous for like a heel and face character in some territories, depending on where you are. Yeah, um, he's actually his promos. I guess uh, if you go, if you watch the Randy Savage documentary on the WWE Network, um, Lanny Poffo recalls a story where um, Savage was trying to work on a, like a like a, a a catchphrase, you know, for for his character, um, and uh, him and Lanny were kind of going over it, and they rec- they they hearken back to when they watched King Curtis Iakea, he was the original, oh, yeah, like he did the, and then Savage just kind of took it and went, oh, yeah, uh-huh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm going to jack his gimmick, uh-huh, but, uh, Very yeah. fucking cool. So, yeah, Savage, yeah, Savage was inspired by King Curtis Iakea uh, with the, And I know the, Kevin oh, yeah. Sullivan was, too. Yeah, um, Sullivan, Sullivan he, was a big mark for him, too. Yeah, he, he. I know he had a great mind for the business, um, at least booking wise and uh, being a top draw in that Hawaiian Pacific Northwest Western yeah. region territory of the United States. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was. Um, I want to say he he um, he participated in uh, the territory run by the Mayavia family. Yes, yes, he did. Yeah, uh, yes. I forget her. I want to say her name is Leah Maivia, the uh, mm-hmm. High Chief Peter Maivia's wife. She was the promoter. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, just a little magnifying glass on 1966. Let's flash forward to 1977. WWF Madison Square Garden. Dusty Rhodes defeats. Tor Kamada in WWF. Interesting. Was this um, was this heading, was it was this before or after the stuff he did with Superstar Billy Graham? I'm not gonna. I think it's heading sure? toward. I think it's heading towards it. Um, okay. But yeah, this is definitely that pinpoint era of when Dusty comes in. You know, pre or post his NWA run and does this WWF run. Um, you know, it's just a, a very brief run, though. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's a very good run. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, couldn't come to terms with McMahon because Dusty got that ego, baby, and you know I bleed wrestling. Should I bleed anyway? Let me tell you something, Vince. If 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 you ain't gonna put my name on the marquee, then you ain't worth then ain't worth signing with you. If you know what I mean, baby. It's gonna have to say Madison Square Dusty, or the Dusty <laughs> Garden, or Madison Dusty Garden, or the Madison Square Roads, whatever you want to call. It. But as long as there's some form of Dusty and Roads on that building, on the marquee that says Worldwide Wrestling Federation presents the American Dream Dusty Roads. Then it's yeah. going to get over, baby. <laughs> there we go. All right, let's uh, actually get into the day. All-Star Wrestling 1981. You can find this on the WWE Network by searching in their vault. All-Star Wrestling, WWF, or WWWF 1981. Um, King Kong Mosca 
defeats Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown is a black fellow with brown trunks, and he looks naked during this whole match. But uh, yeah, I just thought it's a good I thing would. I didn't watch that. Yeah, I would thought I w- I thought I would note this because King Kong Mosca is on this card, and then the next match is a tag team compiling Alan Carson and one Chris Canyon. Do you know who Chris Canyon is? In nineteen eighty one. Yes. Chris Canyon from the the if we're from, referring to WCW, no. Chris Canyon. No, no, no. no. Nineteen eighty one Chris Canyon. Do not know. Did not know there was another Chris Canyon. He's a very young King Kong Bundy. He debuted March 7th, 1981. So this is just weeks after his fucking professional wrestling debut. He teams up with Alan Carson. He's got a bob bowl cut here. Full head of hair, brown hair. Does not look anything like him. And I was like, dude, is that him? And I was like, who's this guy? Chris. It sounded like they said Chris Camum. Cannon. And then I looked it up, and he's he's gone by Chris Canyon, Chris Cannon, Chris oh Cannon God. Jr., the Man Mountain Canyon, and then he went to King Kong Bundy and WCW, which was created by Gary Hart. Um, but, man, uh, just very rare seeing him here. But Vince is like, he's a mass of a man. But they go against the Moondogs with Lou Albano, and they suffer a defeat but it was just very cool to see a uh like weeks in the pro scene chris canyon king kong bundy everybody very interesting did you hear the recent story that time and dreamer put out about the uh the 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 phone call he made to king kong bundy back in 2005 no let's go so uh this was like this was like literally days after Bundy died. Um, everyone's like, "Oh, they got to put Bundy in the Hall of Fame. They got to put Bundy in the Hall of Fame." You know, that every, usually if a guy passes away, they always his fans out there are always saying, "Oh, now they got to put him in." You know what I mean? When he's mm-hmm. passed away. Yes, yes. So anyhow, um, Dreamer tells this story on a recent interview he did where he was working in talent relations for John Laurinaitis, and they were coming up with ideas for. Um, you know, the, the Undertaker Randy Orton buildup for WrestleMania that year in 2005. And mm-hmm. they wanted to bring in guys that w- had wrestled Undertaker um, in previous WrestleManias that were a part of the streak. <laughs> they brought in Jake the Snake Roberts uh, at one point, and Orton did a spot with him where he gave him an RKO. It was basically just to kind of give Orton a rub and also to recognize the history involving Undertaker's WrestleMania opponents and, you know, to build up Orton for Undertaker at WrestleMania. So uh, Dreamer called Bundy and, you know, said, you know, left him a message and just said, if you'd be interested, give me a call back. So Bundy calls him back and says, you know, Tommy, he goes, first and foremost, I just want to say I'm going to pass. Um, it's nothing against you. I know you're doing your job, um, but, um, you know, I like you, but I, I can't do it. Um, one thing, uh, first and foremost, you can tell Vince to go fuck himself. He goes, I will only do this if he pays me my money that he owes me. He goes, he, <laughs> he promised me if I put Hogan over, I was going to get a run for the t- I was going to get a run with the belt. So tell Vince that he, that, 
he fucking owes me money and unless this unless you're asking me to come in and um win the belt and then be on top i don't want to do it nothing wow. against you personally love you but not gonna do it vince owes me money fuck him tell him to go fuck himself i said so or something like that so basically he told dreamer that vince owed him money and vince needs to go fuck himself and the only way he'd do it is if they put the belt on him and this is in 2005 so um <laughs> yeah so I, I i listened to that interview recently i was cracking up but um d don't expect any king kong bundy hall of fame inductions in the very near future no no we won't uh, moving on with this episode, another notable moment. Yoshiyaki Yatsu, a Japanese performer, goes against Pretty Boy Larry Sharp. The only reason I bring this up is because Yatsu won three gold medals in the Asian Games uh, a couple years prior, but wasn't able to attend last year's Olympics 1980 in Japan, or no, He's representing Japan. He wasn't able to represent in Moscow due to, uh, you know, the situations going on in 1980 with the Olympics. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. So this is an Olympic wrestler turned professional from the Japanese reigns. Interesting okay. stuff here in WWF. But we get a double count out on the outside, and it's a brawl, and the fans boo. Um, it's not that entertaining. Next week, we're going to get Gurria and Martel defending their WWF tag team titles against the Moondogs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, which, which, which Moondogs are we at? Cause these, are Rex, these are Rex and King. So it's not Chip, Spot... <laughs> and you know and and it's like the you know, 100 101 moon dogs we should make yeah. that they should um, make yeah wwe studios needs to make a movie called 101 moon dogs a takeoff from 101 dalmatians book it now you could you're, you could thank kobe and i later with a <laughs> nice royalty check a couple extra zeros at the end and some tickets to wrestlemania we're good there we go you're welcome. um Moving on with the day, let's go to WCW NWA version 1987 from this day, March 28th. We're still gearing up for this Crockett Cup. Rock and Roll Express has an enhancement match. Jim Cornette comes out and hypes the Boston Garden match April 4th between Big Bubba and Dusty Rhodes. Wow. Big Bubba, the big boss man and Dusty Rhodes, April 4th. 1987 in the Boston Garden. That's WWF territory, baby. I was gonna say, like, how did they how did they manage to get that building? Because at that time, that was with like that was in the heyday when like Vince like told buildings and promote like you know local promoters like we won't run your town again if you decide to bring someone else in. 87 is one of the hottest times in wrestling, man. Um, Bobby Eaton has an enhancement match as Jim Cornette rambles and calls out David Crockett's sunburn. I will take a picture. David Crockett has the worst sunburn, like sunglasses and everything, and he just looks looks like a fool. Raccoon eyes with the yes. With the, yes. Oh wow. Yes. Uh, Bobby Eaton hits the Alabama Jam in his match, and Jim Cornette calls it the Hemorrhoid Hop. <laughs> 
the hemorrhoid hop. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's I awesome. mean, that's his own guy, but I mean, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He's putting over the hemorrhoids over his hem- yeah. over his, yeah. his, his, yeah. his own guy. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> um, then they replay a confrontation between Oli and Ric Flair. After Ric Flair said Oli had no motivation and he was done with the horseman, Oli comes out and tears off this suit of Ric Flair and um, he says, you never gave me a title shot. You never gave me anything. Um, and they're like brawling and Rick says, you know what you've done now? You made the biggest mistake of a lifetime. You've seen Dusty's leg getting broken. You've seen Dusty's hand getting broken. You've seen what just happened in Nikita's neck. We're coming for you and nobody will be able to recognize you. You want to live like a horseman? You're going to die like a horseman. Great promo from Ric Flair here. Great stuff going on. And Oli Oli has to face Big Bubba in a cage in Baltimore. And then in two weeks, he'll be going against Tully Blanchard at the Omni. I love the way they book this shit, man. It's just like, you know, you're announcing the next match, the next match, the next match. You're not like booking on the fly. Um, It's very great. Yeah, um, I wasn't, you know, obviously at this time I wasn't watching uh, Jim Crockett Promotions and uh, WCW NWA, but um, I, I, I will say, based on your um, based on your uh, analysis of this storyline and the, over the last few weeks on this show when we've been discussing it, um, history doesn't really treat it too kindly because. Um, it seems like Oli in many ways gets forgotten about or gets, you know, kind of swept under the rug when it comes to history. Um, you know, from what you've described in some of your recaps here, um, this had been built up for quite a while. Um, yeah. Oli's also like, known as The Rock. <laughs> who was? Oli. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That's very interesting. Um, I'm sure he'll probably try to, if he's, if he's, He already tried to sue, probably. All right, I'm sorry, but go on. No, uh, but what I'm saying is is that, like, um, you know, I know on the Horseman DVD that WWE put out a number of years ago, they, like, quickly touched upon, like, Ole's exit from the Horseman and the rivalry that he had with them. Um, But it it seemed very, the way they described it seemed very brief as opposed to your description of it. Um, how this had been built up for quite a while. Um, but they said that, you know, in the, on the WWE DVD, they recounted that Oli, as Arn Anderson would say, Oli was an island unto himself, and he didn't have any friends to back him up, um, with the exception of Tim Horner. Um, hmm. what, at any point in time, um, do you think that, Oli would have had a longer, more successful run against the Horseman if they paired him with someone like a Dusty or a Nikita? If they would have got to that, if they could have. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think the egos between Dusty and Oli, um, I know that they didn't see eye to eye from time to time. Um, yeah. So I think that there was a cl- conflict there. And it's funny that you bring up Tim Horner because the only reason, like, 
I run down stuff because it's notable. I know sometimes we're like, let's skip over stuff, but then I think about it and I'm like, no, this is notable. We'll get to Tim Horder later in this episode. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Oli has an enhancement match. They preview the Baltimore Harbor. Hey, that's right by me. Uh, the Baltimore Harbor had just recently been rebuilt and like relaunched at that time. So they were like previewing everything and they're going to have the Crockett cup coming up there in April. Um, a big weekend coming up to fight against WrestleMania. If you will. Oh, in, uh, in, in Baltimore for the Crockett cup. Yes. Oh, well, oh, wow. Not, not wrestling to, not necessarily to fight against WrestleMania, but you know, Around the same time. Yeah, because, what, that that was 87, so mm-hmm. Mania was the end of March, and mm-hmm. this was, so it was a few weeks after, right? Yeah. Not too long after that. Yeah. Um, but it's a million dollars on the line for the Crockett Cups. We get previewing teams of the Kansas City Jayhawks, which is Dutch Mantell and his partner with that pizza band. Dana that I talked about before, but oh, Dutchman <laughs> Dutch Mantel has those shaved upper arms, and somebody even like makes a note of it in the audience. Jeez, they call him fuzzy. Yeah. Oh my so. goodness. Mm-hmm. Paul Ellering shows up. Hey, that's the Road Warriors manager. He talks about them dominating Japan right now, and they're gonna be in the Crockett Cup this year. They won it last year, and they earn money the old-fashioned way, beat people up for it. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then let's take a look at what happened with Nikita. Uh, little Dicky Murdoch came out after a match and gave Nikita the softest brain buster to the concrete floor on the outside. And uh, Dusty comes out to run off Little Dicky. And uh, David says, Mr. Jimmy Jim, Jim, Jim Cornette is going to have heavy fines for Dick Murdoch. He doesn't even know his fucking father or brother's name. Whatever. (laughs) Uh, I hate David Crockett. Anyhow, yeah, it was like the softest brain buster. But I I guess at the time, you know, it worked. They kind of rolled to the floor rather than dropped, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we get a great promo from Dusty with slick back hair standing next to Nikita in a neck brace. Dusty says, the doctor said he'll be fine in about eight weeks. But uh, if you're ready to go through, if you're ready to go through with it, you can. And injury is a part of the game. And I said, Nikki, Nikki, you still want to go through with it. And I and here's your answer. And then Nikita rolls off with his Russian ranting, and he says, "I come to the Crockett Cup, and uh, 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 I will come to the ring even if you have to carry me." So Nikita will be there. <laughs> Sweet. All right, um, Nikita. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then uh, Brad Armstrong challenges Ric Flair. What? This is weird. He's standing next to Bullet Bob, who's his dad. You know, they're randomly teaming up for the Crockett Cup because it's 
a million dollars worth. But Bullet Bob comes up with this crazy, long-winded story about being in the Marines with Dick Murdoch and that he was, like, fired and then turned to a lower-course unit and everything. It's just the the biggest bullshit story ever. But he so, just wants to be part of it. And he was like, hey, boys, when you're done with Dickie Murdoch, leave a little piece for me. Shut the fuck up, Bob. So Bullet Bob didn't wear pants either. No. And he wanted a little piece of Dickie, Dickie's Murdoch? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Um, Interesting. We get Baron Von Raschke and Wahoo McDaniel having an enhancement match. Uh, beating a guy that looks like a fusion between Finn Balor and Brian Danielson. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's quite the, uh, quite the combination there. Giant Baba and his partner Tiaki are going to be in the Crockett Cup. Then Giant we ha- Baba? Yep. Really? Yep. I didn't know he was for Crockett. Right? So Interesting. The ties, we, we shall see. As the okay. weeks roll on, um, Mike Rotunda comes up and he has the worst scripted po- promo ever. It's like he's doing a cold reading and he's never read or acted before. He's like, I'm going to be teaming with Tim Horner, who's my partner in the Jim Crockett Cup, which is held in the city of Baltimore. The Jim Crockett Cup is a grand prize of $1 million. I'm the Florida State champion. Um, you get the gist. You know? <laughs> so it was just, like he was reading off cue cards? Yeah. 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 Um, well, that's what they do now, right? I guess so. But, I mean, it's bullet <laughs> bullet points, but you got to be a little bit bullet Bob Armstrong about it and make up yeah. a fucking story. Um, Big Bubba has an enhancement match. That's Big Bubba Rogers. Jim Cornette is his manager at the time, and he's like, Big Bubba don't need no partner. He don't trust nobody. He don't listen to anybody but me and my mama. All right. So uh, (laughs) Big Bubba listens to Jim Cornette's mama. Um, well, he knows where his bread's buttered, so I mean, you know, yeah. if he's working for Cornette, you know, technically he's really working for Mama Cornette too. So I mean, I don't blame him. True. Um, the Russians come out, and they're the new U.S. Tag Team Champions that we covered from last week. Ivan Koloff gives Dick Murdoch a new trucker hat, and it's a gift, and it's from the Moscow nineteen eighty six Goodwill Games. Oh, my God. So that's tying into the Olympic stuff that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Wow. Dick, Dick Murdoch is like, oh, my God. He, and then he's like, speaking of Bullet Bob, he looks like a damn bullet. He's a little 22. And when, when he was in the Marines, he was a plumber's friend. What does that mean? A plumber's friend? Yes. All right. Uh-huh. Maybe Dick needs to put his pants back on. <laughs> and he calls Jim Crockett a stooge in 1987. Well, he's not far off, but... No. Um, <laughs> then we get a preview of another team in the Crockett Cup, the Mod Squad. Do you know who they are? Um, 
refresh my memory. I've heard of the team name, but I don't know who the actual so mod squad is. They're they're Florida State tag team champions at the time, but they look like leather bound, leather gloved rogue policemen with aviator oh, glasses. Yeah, yeah, they look like a couple of the, like the village people, like the cop and the biker from the village people. They're precursors to the big boss man, in my opinion. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember the mod squad. So yeah, I took briefly. a picture. We'll, we'll snap that on there. Tully, okay. yeah, Tully and Lex are seated number eight. They have an enhancement match. They go against Denny Brown and Todd Champion. Womp, womp, womp. Lex says that I have a void on this chiseled ab, and it's the U.S. title. So he's coming for that U.S. title. Look out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Arn then goes against Tim Horner. And uh, David Crockett says, this is a main event anywhere. And I start to laugh. But then I watch the match. Tim Horner and Arn Anderson have a fucking blowout match, man. I love this match. Really? Um, yes. Watch this. Okay. Uh, it, like, the fans are just so behind Tim Horner for some reason. Um He's just one of those guys that they built with the win-loss streak and being a jobber or an enhancement talent and getting those random victories here and there. But it worked out because he can actually work in the ring. Him and Arn put on a great match. Yeah. Well. You know what I mean? But as well, I think it's Tim Horner working with Arn. You, you, no, what, what I'm saying is in terms of why the people were so behind yes, him. You know what I yes, mean? Like, yes, I think it helped that they had yes. someone like Arn Anderson uh, opposing him, who was a, an established top bad guy. Yep. And to go to your point, uh, Tim Horner wins by dis- disqualification because the horsemen come in. And the fans are insane. They're like, oh, my God. Yes. Somebody just beat the horsemen. Wow. Um, and then we get an announcement that. Kevin Sullivan will be teaming with Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan has a little promo and he says, Arn, you don't have a tag team partner. You used to have a brother. I used to have a brother. And then we institutionalized him. Interesting, right? Okay. Institutionalized. Well, this, this, this Dave, episode, Dave uh, Sullivan. Yeah. That's, that's right. That it kind of goes into the story of Dave Sullivan being crazy in Looney Bin with Kevin Sullivan being his brother. You know, and WCW is never big on continuity, but it looks like accidentally they uh, they managed to. Uh, you know, they, I think they it was Kevin to... Sullivan. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good point. What am I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Barry Windham has the quickest match ever. Uh, it's like eight seconds. He beats a dude. Uh, he'll be facing Ric Flair coming up in Baltimore. Jimmy Jam Garvin and Ronnie Garvin have a promo, and Jimmy wants a piece of Ric Flair, too. Holy shit, everybody's coming for that title. That's how you build up a fucking main event title. Everybody coming for it. You know? Yeah, because you don't put your champion on TV once every six months and then have him beat your your top baby face and then move on to the next one mm-hmm. uh and then the last little bit here we have this team that they talked about for weeks the gladiators it's just two random guys in masks that are in blue suits and they go against 
Randy and Bill Mulkey, who are two jobbers, all of a sudden, Randy and Bill Mulkey roll them up one, two, three. The fans are going nuts because this jobber team win, and we hear Mulkey Mania. Is is this crazy to me that like we get like a lot of like enhancement guys on this road of this episode and it's so like kind of paralleled to the WWE universe right now in 2019. I mean, it is very interesting that this, this episode was littered with, you know, enhancement talent, you know, and how they were, you know, highlighted and, or or lack thereof. Um, You know, I, I, I didn't watch this episode. You obviously did with the preview and um, you know, listening to it um didn't really seem a whole you know very appealing to me with some of the mm. names that you with a lot of the names you mentioned um that that are, that were in high profile spots on the show but um you know i'm like i said i might have to go back and watch that arn anderson tim horner match and uh, see how that came about and then some of the funny stuff you mentioned in the promo like bullet bob and all this stuff but this seems like a very like out there edition of world championship wrestling yeah it, it it's one of those uh gearing up episodes but it has like little little gems in there um and that's what i strive to find moving on with the day let's get through this as quick and painly as possible wccw 1987 red river jack beats tim brooks with a big knee to the chest. Then Gary Hart comes out with Nord the Barbarian and says that Red River Jack will not last 30 seconds with Nord the Barbarian. They used to team up in AWA. Uh, Bruiser Brody found Nord the Barbarian. We talked about that on prior weeks, right? Yes. Yes, we did. They, yep. were, they, they apparently uh, were, were training together. Yep. And uh, were AWA tag team champions as well. Um, so Red River Jack and Nord have a standoff in the ring and then they part ways. Then we get a, uh, basically a recap of shit between the Dingo Warrior, who is the ultimate warrior, teaming up with... David Manning, who was a former referee, going against Nord the Barbarian and Gary Hart. Just a mess of a match here. It's a bloody mess. Red River Jack comes out, but it's not really Red River Jack. It's some guy under a mask. And then Bruiser Brody comes out to try to trick, quote-unquote, people that Red River Jack is not Bruiser Brody. It's the stupidest shit in the world. You know, like, wh- why do this? You know? Like, every... every- um, well, shit, I don't know. I mean... Did you know um, that Red River Jack was Bruiser Brody? Or no? Have you have you ever heard of this until I brought it up? Um, until... Well, you've been plugging Red River Jack off and whatever, you know, the last <laughs> few weeks on this show. But, um... I didn't know that Bruiser Brody did like a Midnight Rider type gimmick um, for quite some time until you brought it up. And um, judging by your 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 recaps of this situation, 
that that had transpired over the last few weeks of that episode of World Class um, didn't really seem very appealing. Yeah, at least for me, as a, listening to not not your description of no, it, but and it's not you know, your, and, your and Gary of, and Gary Hart has a new associate named Jim Holiday, and they're called H and H International, and they have Nord the Barbarian, Eli the Eliminator, and Jeep Swinson. And okay, those sound like the worst fucking names ever. Yeah. And and Nord the Barbarian in his promo goes, do we look like some type of Kmart knockoff to you? And the fans are like, yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Wow. It is the funniest shit ever, dude. Oh, my Set God. Set yourself up for that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then we have... We have a match with the Rock and Roll RPMs. Do you know who they are? Speaking of another Kmart knockoff. Um, they're not the Rock and Roll Express. No, oh, they're not the the Midnight Express. They're not the Rockers. Midnight they're not rockers. any of those. Yeah, they're the shittiest ripoff. Um, they win their match, and the fans are booing incentively because this fucking show sucks but the main event here it's the main event it's mike von eric against brian adias holy shit we've been gearing up for this right it's a two thousand five hundred dollar match hey mike von eric could use that for to pay off his dui that he just got like a couple weeks ago in real time um so Mike has to beat Brian Adias within 10 minutes, and then he can win that $2,500. Interesting match, right? Because last week or two weeks ago, he rolled him up in like five seconds. Um, I mean, the interest level for this match... <laughs> um, yeah, I got nothing for you, man. I'll be well, honest with you. Well, the only for... the only reason I bring this up is because Mike kills himself soon. Um, Bill Mercer plugs the David Von Erich Memorial Cup is coming up April third at ta- at Texas Stadium. So that's kind of weird that Mike is going to kill himself soon, and we have the third annual David Von Erich Memorial Cup coming up. Um, yeah, anyhow, this match is actually decent towards the end. Um, I'm not going to, like, run down everything, but... Uh, Please don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it comes down Please to don't. a claw and everything, and then uh, Brian leaves with the money. Mike makes it within seconds to try to win it. But, yeah, we'll be back next week, and Nord the Barbarian will go against the fake-ass Von Eric Lance. So maybe we, maybe we should skip that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. But if they cover Mike Van Eric's death, we might have to. That's the only okay. reason I'm bringing this up is because we are coming so close to Mike Van Eric's death. We're building up to a suicide. That's what we've come to here on Marking <laughs> Out the Days. Not a ladder match. I just, I just want to show you how. All right. The, uh, all right, spoiler alert. They gloss over it like shit. They're just like, Mike Van Erich has died. Let's roll on with the show. 
That's literally how it is. Because they probably got used to it because everyone else fucking off themselves in that promotion. Gino Hernandez apparently committed suicide, but the door was locked. I don't know how he fucking did that. You know? The the other Von Erichs off themselves. No disrespect to those that have died, but, like, that's like, you know, that's... that's like, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the, the death toll promotion. You know what I mean? Like, so, so many people have killed themselves or have died of unnatural causes working for, 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 for Fritz von Erich and that, and, and that family. Like, holy cow. And most of them was a the family that fucking dropped dead. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I would recommend to maybe go back to see that Mike von Erich and Brian Adias match. It's not the greatest thing, but that's probably the best Mike von Erich showcase that you'll get. And stay or, tuned next week when they talk about Mike von Erich killing himself. Wrapped, only on Mark wrapped, days. Yeah, wrapped up in a sleeping bag, taking pills. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, March the 28th, 1993. Okay. The March to WrestleMania. Um, not a whole lot. It was a two-hour show. It was usually the Sunday before WrestleMania. Um, it was headlined with Yokozuna and the Macho Man opening up, which was a pretty good match. We've talked about them before from mm-hmm. a Raw '94. Yes. Um, and then this match, cl- this show closed with Undertaker defeating Bam Bam Bigelow via countout, and the Giant Gonzalez uh, made an appearance, and the referees had to break it up between him and Undertaker. Um, but some of the stuff that took place on this show, for instance, um, I would not rec. It's it's this was like just added to the WWE Network on um, uh, last week, I believe, or the week before. I want to say. Okay. Uh, yeah, section. I remember you so, you sent this to me. So Yoko and Macho opened up the show. Very fun show. Uh, a very fun match, I should say. Um, Following that came Skinner and Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect with the victory. Didn't really care for this match. Kamala defeated Kim Chi. Kamala was being managed by Slick at the time when Slick went from being the doctor of style to Reverend Slick. Mm. Um, Then we saw Money Incorporated defeat a couple of enhancement guys. There was a promo by the Mega Maniacs, which went way too long. Um, Hogan and Brutus and Jimmy Hart just like... I'm I'm a big Hulk Hogan fan, as you know, and um, I was bored to tears. Well, you know something, was... dude. Sometimes I get long-winded, and I got to talk yeah. about the difference between Terry and Hulk. <laughs> I wonder if he said that when he was on the witness stand, when he was on that trial, right, with the with, with Gawker. We right? will never that's know. How, that's how we he... will never know. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, uh, Tatanka defeated George South, um, and then he had a post-match stare, stare down with Shawn Michaels to set up their match for WrestleMania 9. Mm. Um, but for me, the highlight of this show came in a form of a six-man tag team match. The Beverly Brothers and Little Louie, who would become one of the Little Kings, like I think it was Queasy or Sleazy or something from okay. Jerry Lawler's team, one of the midgets, little people I should say, excuse me. Uh, talking out of turn here. They wrestled the Bushwhackers and Tiger Jackson, who portrayed Dink the Clown. Okay. Um, I'll tell you this much. Go out of your way for just the commentary. Bobby the Brain Heenan had short <laughs> jokes galore. I can. Uh, let me re- let me read them off to you. So the Beverly Brothers come out with Little Louie, and Little Louie is wearing overalls. And Bobby Heenan goes, see what happens when you stop working out? Is that Hillbilly Jim? <laughs> <laughs> then... Uh, 
Vince McMahon goes, they, they get in the ring, and Vince McMahon goes, that's little Louie. And Bobby Heenan responds, well, that wouldn't be big Louie. <laughs> and this is my favorite one. Bobby Heenan, the Bushwhackers are coming around the rings. This is not a little person joke, but this, was pretty, this is a good line. The Bushwhackers are coming around the ringside area with Tiger Jackson. They're high-fiving, licking people, and one of the Bushwhackers licks uh, uh, Howard Finkel's head. And Heenan goes, imagine licking the Fink's head. That is like kissing a hospital mop. Uh. <laughs> and then Bobby Heenan said that Tiger Jackson's head looked like a cashew. He asked if Tiger Jackson was the daughter of the Bushwhackers as they were walking down to the ring. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Is that yeah, the, the, the con- yeah, it was just it was it was just hilarious stuff. But oh, um, this show was. I'll try to. Some, some, I'll try to crap. I'll try to cap that audio in. Oh yeah, the Heenan stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it was it was freaking hilarious. If uh, you're saying it's that good, to write home about. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I personally thought it was funny. I was cracking up. In fact, to the point where. I was sitting in bed the other night watching on my phone, and my wife was watching a show, um, and I had my earbuds in, and I'm laughing. She's like, what is so funny? And she looks at my phone, she's like, are you laughing at that midget? That's rude. And I was like, no, I'm laughing at Bobby Heenan's commentary, and she just, like, shook her head. and then you know, That's like the Bobby Heenan that I had with the Giant and Kevin Nash match. He's just, like, killing it, and it's, it's a serious match, but it's yeah. funny as shit. Um, any like memorable moments from that March to WrestleMania? Do you recognize that Bobby, being live as a fan at all? No, I didn't remember. I didn't. Honestly, Neither did you know, I. Like, I didn't remember it, and so it was kind of cool to go back and watch it. And if you also find in the hidden gem section of the WWE Network. And we kind of touched upon it briefly on an episode of Marking Out the Days a few weeks back. Um, the Hidden Gem section did a March to WrestleMania 10 special, um, which was headlined by Bret Hart versus Crush, Yokozuna versus Tatanga, and Lex Luger versus Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey, um, which is on the WWE Network in the Hidden Gems portion yes. of that uh of the network but uh yeah so it was fun to watch it was fun to go back and watch and uh you know interesting that like they were building up kamala and bam bam bigelow in a match and they never had it typical stuff so Um, but yeah um overall it was it was it was was something you know i I like to watch stuff i've never seen before or that i didn't remember um so that yeah, there was some there was some interesting gems in there, but you know, go out of your way for for Heenan's commentary. Yeah, I can't wait Truly to watch hit. that. Hilarious. Cannot wait to watch that. You ready to roll on the post WrestleMania? WWF. Oh, yeah. Raw. Yeah. Nineteen ninety four. Yeah, this was fo- yeah, this was following uh this a week after. WrestleMania mm-hmm. 10, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, indeed. And the Million Dollar Man comes out and buys some people's tickets for the front row, which is pretty stupid. You're an employee. Like, why not just hang out? What the fuck? Yeah, and the building's not that big. I mean, you could see from the rafters, they fucking, they practically took, they practically performed their show in a goddamn tuna can. <laughs> like, that's like, 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is the worst. You can see it from the parking lot and feel like you're in the third row. This is the worst. Lex Luger goes against Rick Martel. This is actually not a bad match. Did you watch this match or did you see any of this? Or I did see this. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't a bad match. I liked it. Um, you know, crowd was into it despite the fact that Luger, you know, was fresh off of that WrestleMania loss. I like how they had built up Luger needing someone to kind of take it out on, um, you know, take out his frustrations because of his loss, mm-hmm. with Mr., you know, because of Mr. Perfect screwing him out of the title. And Martel was the perfect foil for that because at that time he was easily hateable as the model. So, yes, overall, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, uh, Luger fires up, power slam, and then Vince calls it the power rack. And the power whack? The power rack. Oh, the power rack. Oh, like his, like his uh, torture Instead rack. of the I torture rack, called... it's called the power rack. Oh, uh, I thought Vince called it like the power whack, like that's what he does to himself. The power like rack. Watches... The power whack after yes. he watches a Lex sure. Luger match. Oh, God. He's the voice of America. Vince says, somehow, someway, Lex will arrive. And Jim Cornette says, yeah, well, uh, if is a big word. Jim Cornette's been watching him since 87, as we've seen. So, yeah, Uh, he has not arrived yet. And he never really does arrive, does he? 97, he gets that WCW, like, title run. And it's weird. And, like, yeah. For a week. Yeah. Yeah. For a week. Uh, then Which we, is a great match, by the way. Yes, indeed. Uh, it was a great time to be a fan then. I watched that live. Um, then we get an encore of the WrestleMania 10 show, and it'll say, it's. they say, it's going to play after all. Ooh, so they preview all the matches, and they're like, only on pay-per-view can you watch the encore. I was like, fuck, shit. Oh, so you thought that it was going to come on after Raw on cable for free? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, so, they got you. Yeah. Hook, they, line, and sinker, man. Yes, Ooh. they did as a kid. Uh, so Owen Hart is working out with some dumbbells. This is random for him, right? Uh, he says, I'm going to beat Brett. Or no, after I beat Brett, I can beat anybody. So we will see, and uh, he beats Mike Freeman, who is a no-name. Yeah. Why didn't they give him, like, a decent match, you know? I mean, I don't know. I guess that was their way of, like, trying to build him up to a title match. He's already got the the big victory under his belt with Brett. So, you know, keep him on TV. He's he's, he's, He's hot off that victory. You know, you don't take away any kind of heat from anybody else, like, established. You put him in there with, you know, a, uh, a, an enhancement guy. It helps build up Owen some more. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they say, uh, the match you didn't see at WrestleMania. Next week, the epic 10-man tag team match. That's that match that we talked about and that we had on the yeah. highlight of one of our episodes. Yes. Mart- Martel, Jarrett, IRS, and the Head Shrinkers against 123 Kid, Tatanka, Bob Holly, and the Smoking Guns. Yep. Yep. And Fucking uh, warm burner. Yeah. Vince is like, those guys couldn't come to a decision. Saturday at 10 o'clock on the USA Network, two guys create a woman of their dreams. Weird oh science God. on USA. Yeah. 
Oh you're my really, god! You're, you're recapping the commercial, dude. <laughs> but weird science, though. Don't you remember that being played over and over and that over and, again? That and silk stockings. Yes, that was another one. That, but funny story um, about that ten man tag. Um, I just listened to the recent Pritchard episode where they were covering WrestleMania ten, and. The show was heavy on time, and remember how I mentioned? I think I think I mentioned this to you recently. Yes, how we did? Uh, Michaels, Michaels, and Razor went over. Well, everybody went over on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Pritchard, um, they cut the um, the they cut the match because um, it was uh, the the Quebecers and Men on a Mission from WrestleMania 10 that went like seven or eight minutes over they were supposed to. Like, they yep. were supposed to go like 12 minutes, and they went like close to 20. Yep. Um, and Pritchard recalls how um, he like chewed their asses out backstage. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, now I got to cut the show. And um, they had to cut the show down because, and, and get rid and get those guys off. And apparently, you know, Vince was on commentary with Lawler, so Vince couldn't make that call. So Bruce basically told Vince in the headset, well, you're, you're short on time. I got to cut this match. And mm. they basically shortened everything. Even though Michaels and Razor did go over their time, according to Pritchard, um, from then on, he had to he had to cut everything because the the ten man tag wasn't going to fit. Yeah, I mean it makes sense, but still, like a loss of like a lot of talented guys. Um, that men on a mission in Quebecers match did not need that much time. No, God no. Oh, God, no. Speaking of those guys, the Mounties come out with Johnny Polo. Jim Cornette interviews them, and um, one of the fans knows all the lyrics to the Mounties' vocals, and he's a Cowboys fan nonetheless. And I know me coming as a Redskins fan and you as a Giants fan, we can at least agree upon that, right? Like, he's an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who roots for the Dallas Cowboys, you're basically you're basically telling us you're a card carrying member of ISIS. So. Yeah, or like you know the Mounties fucking theme song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're not all the, the Mounties. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're handsome. We're brave. We're strong. We're not the Mounties because we enforce the law. You can never run, but you oh can never run. Oh my God, Dave. Dave, I'm kicking you up. <laughs> Sorry, I was on a uh, roll. So Lou Albano makes a second appearance on our show. He comes back and he says, Will you accept the challenge from my team to the Mounties? And they're like, Yeah. They don't even know who it is. It's the Head Shrinkers, Afa, coming out with uh, Fatu and Samu. Yeah. Yes, you would be correct. Yes. So they say they accept the match, but then we go to a commercial, and then we get a promo for next week, the rematch from WrestleMania, Earthquake and Adam Bomb. That oh, match. I can't wait. Yeah. What? What the fuck? That match lasted like eight seconds at WrestleMania. It's one of the quickest. I shouldn't have even put that on the show. Yeah. Uh, 
waste of time. Sorry. The end. Sorry. <laughs> what, no, I'm talking about the match at WrestleMania. Oh, I'm yeah. talking about your no. All right. Continue. So one two three kid has an enhancement match with the Black Phantom, who is Gangrel under a hood, which we spoke about a couple weeks back. Um, it's a half-assed match because Gangrel is very like he's dragging one two three kid throughout this whole thing, and I feel bad for one two three kid, but I mean he got written off of the WrestleMania card. He was hot at this time, and then I was a big fan and I was looking forward to him, and it's just. He has matches like this, but uh, he beats him with a spinning back heel kick. Anyway, we go to a ad for WWF Greetings on Call. Oh, yes. These were great. (laughs) $9.95 a call. You can get any wrestler to call anyone that you want and give them a message. That's fucking awesome, and that's ahead of its time, and that's about where we're at right now because you can, like, hire wrestlers to do personal messages for your shows or whatever you want as long as you pay them. How fucking cool is this, 1994? Yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, that and, and, uh, like, they do it through Skype and um, all different kinds of avenues now. Like, it's pretty cool, like, how, like, that was, like, you know, I don't know how long that lasted. I don't think that lasted very long in 1994. But um, you know, nowadays, like everyone does those video messages. All kinds of celebrities, wrestlers, um, and then there's Sonny who just fucking masturbates on Skype and makes <laughs> you pay for it to watch. You know, while she's in jail. Um, so yeah, there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Um, we go to a commercial break, but we'll be right back. Oh my God, it's Crush defeating some no name. Eh, that's about it, brother. Yeah, <clears throat> but Bruh. I like I like Crush's outfit in this episode because it's like a callback to Demolition. If you noticed, okay. it's like red, yeah. black, and silver, and he's yep, kind of yep, got yep. the face paint going on with the costume. I think he wore that at WrestleMania. Yes, and that's why, like, when I started watching WrestleMania 10 and I, like, I didn't keep up with the product too much, and then I, like, finally caught on around after 11 towards 12, I was like, holy shit, where's Crush? Like, what did he do? Like... I thought I missed like a whole process of him being a dominant member of like demolition, like taking it over or something like, you know, I don't know. I had this yeah. wicked fantasy of him being like, holy shit, it's crush. Yeah. <laughs> nah, brother. Nah, brother. All right. Moving on with the day quickly and painlessly as possible. ECW from 1995 and then 1998. We're going to scroll through these as fast as we can. Mikey Whipwreck goes against Jason Kincaid. The only reason I bring this is up because Jason Kincaid kisses Mikey Whipwreck in the Mac match. And everybody's like, faggot, faggot, faggot. It's like. It's it's the weirdest spot, though, but that's like one of his moves at the time in 1995 is to kiss his opponent on the lips as he pins him. Interesting. Um, and, and they and they they didn't bleep out the chance. No, no, not at all. None at all. Wow. Jason Kincaid then does a springboard 
uh, leg drop off the top rope, which is impressive, but he lands right on Mikey Whipwreck's head with his ass. And I think Mikey Whipwreck was supposed to move because Jason Kincaid goes for another one, and then Mikey Whipwreck moves on the second one, and then Mikey Whipwreck goes to the top rope and bounces off the top turnbuckle to hit a hurricane rata on Jason Kincaid, but lands on the back of his head, smashing it into the mat, and then flips Jason Kincaid over. He's hit his head so many times he got it smashed into the mat, but he gets a victory. Uh, dude must be concussed, honestly. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, Clearly. Yeah. They preview April 8th will be a three-way tag team match between Public Enemy, Sabu and Taz, and Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko. Awesome. A three-way tag team match in 1995. That was one of the first of its kind at that time, right? Yes, sir. And then they also preview April 8th, that same date, Eddie Guerrero versus Two Cold Scorpio for the ECW TV title. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, Guerrero. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Eddie's going to take vengeance for the beatdown that Scorpio put on Hector the last couple weeks. Oh, Hector was involved? Yes. He was. He was I didn't know Hector had a little run in ECW. Interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow, interesting. Okay. So then we finally get the Generation X gauntlet match. That's Tommy Dreamer going against Raven's four-fledged flock, but before they're called the flock, I guess. Um, Tommy defeats Tony Stetson uh, with a DDT. Tony Stetson. That sounds like a cowboy name. Right. And then he defeats Johnny Hotbody with a reverse neck breaker. And then he defeats Stevie Richards. Um, yeah. And then he gets to go against Tommy. I mean, he gets to go against Raven after he defeats Stevie Richards. Raven has been handcuffed to the turnbuckle the entire time. But Terry Funk comes down and... Cuts the turnbuckles mid-match, and nobody—I mean, cuts the cuts the handcuffs mid-match, and nobody notices. Well, the fans do, but nobody in the match notices because wrestlers have ADD, like we talked about. But pretty much, yes. So Tommy Dreamer beats Stevie Richards. He comes outside and he goes to attack Raven, but he doesn't realize that Raven is not cuffed. So Raven fakes it, grabs him with a DDT onto the concrete. Wow, it's epic. Tommy Dreamer is busted open. He cuffs Tommy Dreamer to the middle of the rope on the outside, and he's got him kind of crucified to the outside of the ring, and then he bashes him over the face with a chair and busts him open more. This is pretty bloody, and then the main event is all of a sudden, it's Mikey Whipwreck again going against Sabu. Man, they're really putting over Mikey Whipwreck because he puts on a long match with Sabu, but 
He gets beat with a camel clutch. He doesn't submit. He just gets tapped out. I mean, at least like sleepered out, you know, like one, two, three, hand count out. But uh, yeah, then yeah, we yeah. go off the air. They put over Mikey Whipwreck pretty hard on this show. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he was at the time he was he was still relatively new, but he was popular. And, uh, you know, the, the ECW audience gravitated to him. It was kind of like um, I hearken it to kind of like what, you know, the audience was like with Kofi recently, mm-hmm. even though Kofi was more established. Um, he was seen as very relevant. Um, and then he became relevant pretty quickly, and then they really latched onto him. The ECW audience did the same thing with Whipwreck here. Yeah, and then the same thing with Tommy Dreamer in a way. Um, both these guys are underdogs fighting from underneath. Um, Paul Heyman has a really good way of storytelling in that way. That's the way he did the SmackDown 6, you know? Yes, yes, I remember that. Even with all his ECW stuff that we've talked about on prior episodes that you can catch out or you can catch up with on Marking Out the Days. Um, We talked about it last week with the way he booked um, Just Incredible, you know, everything going into that. Yeah, it's just Mm -hmm. all great. Um, Moving on, ECW 1998, Draws shows up. Holy shit, Draws. He teams. Um, Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. He teams up with Danny Doring and Roadkill to go against the FBI, but then all of a sudden Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten come out and they win the match. Yeah, I remember, you know, I didn't know Draws was in ECW until I remember seeing footage on the Beyond the Mat movie that he mm-hmm. was a part of. That he was in. That was just like a couple of one offs, right? Yes. And it's just the working relationship between WWF and ECW at the time. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the talent swap. Yep. So moving on with this show, Lance Storm and Chris Candido, or as my notes say, Chris Candido did us. Are you drunk? No, it's fucking my notes because I guess I put Brian Adidas and then I put Adidas in. It's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. So Landstorm and Chris had did it out of this. Um, they're the ECW tag team champions at the time. They beat Chris Chetty and a young and up and coming Jerry Lynn in this match. But Chris Candido and Lance Storm are beefing, beefing throughout the match. So little tension there. Then we get a recap of Bam Bam Bigelow. He's going to be going up against RVD, coming up against the ECW title, you know, working in there. We talked about it last week. Um, but Bam Bam Bigelow wins this match against Sandman. This is kind of a flash forward to the next year of ECW that they would have in hardcore matches, you know, leading up for that hardcore title, Bam Bam Bigelow against Hack, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, But Bam Bam is busted, like, really bad over the eye. Um, They talk about that, and then they wrap his eye, and then we go... To the next final segment, it's RVD against Al Snow. Interesting. 
Al Snow wins this match because Sabu's interference. Sabu and RVD are teaming at the time, but they're like beefing the same way Lance and Chris Candido are. It's wrestling egos. It's getting in the way. So Al Snow pins RVD out of nowhere. A bunch of foam heads get thrown into the ring. This is that famous scene that we see on ECW all the time of Al Snow's like greatest accomplishment in ECW, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, with all the, the heads that got thrown in the ring and the, the, the lights, they would, you know, do like the black light scene. No, this um, is it. This is like the moment where he wins and there's just like hundreds and hundreds of styrofoam heads thrown into oh, the ring. I was thinking of like when they like dim the lights and then they do like the black light and nope. it's like all the people with the, oh, okay, so it's different. I got you. I know what you mean. Yeah, so it, it was a great moment. Uh, RVD and Sabu are pushing each other, and then we go off the air. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this thing. It's a Sunday night heat that leads into a WrestleMania. This is one of the memorable moments. 20 years ago to the day, my brother. Sunday, March 28th, 1999, Wells Fargo Center presents from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Sunday Night Heat, and then WrestleMania 15. So we get a little pre-match here. It's um, Jacqueline defeating Ivory, and then D'Lo Brown and Test, what a weird fucking team, defeating uh, 8-Ball and Animal and Bradshaw, and Brian Christopher, and uh, Draws, and Jeff Hardy, and, you know, a bunch of Johnny Grunge, Matt Hardy, uh, Midian, um, Gilberg, Hawk, Scott Taylor, Skull, Skull, Steve Blackman, The Godfather, Tiger, Ali Singh, and Viscera in a uh, battle royal. Yeah, and the, the the two guys that were left standing were going to be partners against the tag team champions Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart, and would face them later in the evening. I liked the idea that it would that it was two random guys that won the battle royal instead of it being a team. Yeah. Um, that that's a that's a that's an interesting concept, and I don't think they've done that since. But um, yeah, I thought it was rather interesting to see what kind of matchups. Um, I was hoping for a Godfather D'Lo Brown. Reunion, <laughs> um, Me too. To for for to tag up against Jarrett and uh, and Owen, but you know we got D'Lo Brown and Test. Whoop the fucking do! Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, the actual main card, WrestleMania fifteen. Oh my God, you remember this the one? Raging climax. This is awesome, man. This was a time. This was a fun show. Yeah, this was a time where I was like peak fan and uh, just really into WWF and everything wrestling. And I just cannot, re- like, I just can't forget how big of a time this was, you know? Yeah. No, it was. They were red hot. I mean, they, everything they touched. Did you watch um, you know, this with friends? Did you do anything for this WrestleMania? Yeah, 
I had, I had, yeah, I was in, I was in high school, so I had like a bunch of friends over to watch it. We all chipped in, and you know, we, we, we. I remember having a lot of fun. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch this show. It, as you get older, you go back and, you know, your, your, your viewing habits are a little differently. Um, I remember enjoying this show from beginning to end when I was younger. As I've gotten older. Um, I really like fast forward through a lot of garbage on this show, but I mean overall, like I remember going back and watching it and just enjoying it. It was just, it was fun. Like it, you know, there's there's some great stuff on there, and then there's some not so good stuff. But overall, like it was just a fun show to watch. Yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. The first match is Hardcore Holly defeating Al Snow, Billy Gunn for. The Hardcore Championship Triple Threat Tag or Triple Threat Match. Um, I didn't really care for this match. No. I'll be honest with you. Um, the fact, and here's why: uh, when they made that little switch, where they, you know, originally Road Dog was in this rivalry with Holly and Snow, and Billy Gunn was off doing other stuff with Ken Shamrock and Gold Dust and Ryan Shamrock and Val Venus and uh, they switched these guys up and I was like I really enjoyed Road Dog as a part of the hardcore division I thought like if because at the time you had a feeling that they were ready to split the New Age Outlaws yes. up and I thought like okay Road Dog as a part of the hardcore division like it works for him like he's that's that's a that style fits him very well, and he did good stuff with Al Snow and Bob Holly. So I thought this would be perfect. And then when they made that switch, like a few weeks prior, I was like, "Well, what the fuck is this?" Like I just didn't, yeah. and I didn't care for this match. You did all the hardcore, like the month prior at St. Valentine's Day Massacre, they end up in the fucking river. Yeah, we talked freezing about cold. It. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we did that. Yeah, we did a recap of that show, and. uh you know, but at this at, the, at WrestleMania, they kept everything in the ring. Like I just was like, I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't up to the standards that the normal hardcore matches were at that time in WWF. Agreed. Um, moving on, Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart defeat D'Lo Brown and Test, who recently won in that uh, battle royal that we spoke about earlier for the tag team yeah. titles of WWF. This is a decent match, but it's not the best. Um, I remember back 20 years ago, I didn't care for it then. Cause I was like, I was like D'Lo and test. I was like, come on D'Lo and test. Like I just didn't really like the pairing and you know, still to this day, 20 years later, I could give a shit about it now. Yeah. Next. It's sad for Owen. And Jeff. Yeah. Uh, and D'Lo and Test, for that matter. Yeah, all great performers, but just, I don't know. Just yeah. didn't do it for me. Weak spot. Um, all right, then we get Butterbean knocking out Bart Gunn in about 35 seconds. This is the culmination of the Brawl for All tournament. Let's talk about this. Yes, let's do. Um, Go ahead. Butterbean... If he were smart, he should have trademarked the bobblehead doll concept because that's <laughs> what Bart Gunn's head looked like after he freaking molly him in the middle of that ring. Holy cow. I remember, like, in my, my whole living room was like, oh, my God. Like, he, he got destroyed. And at one point, like, you know, one of my friends in the living room was like, you know, he goes, was that supposed to happen? I'm like, no, this is a shoot fight. Like, this is a legit shoot fight. 
um, on a wrestling show because he thought it was like a, a, a staged boxing match on a wrestling show. I was like, no, this so is legit. So you, knew, you and, knew about it then? Yeah, I knew that it was legit then. Like they were, they were, they were trying to make it, you know, um, they How'd were going you know into that, that realm of like, I had, I had read stuff online that like they had like judges and, um, I'd read like in the dirt sheets that like they had judges okay. and referees and things like that. In 1999, that's cool. In 1999, they managed to get a boxing license to do a boxing fight on a wrestling show, um, which I believe, um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, they had to pull quite a few strings to get that done, but they did it nonetheless. And yeah, so that was legit. Um, he knocked him out cold, but, um, you know, I felt like poor Bart Gunn, he had, he yeah. was red hot coming off that victory, that brawl for all, and he had Wrestling such momentum. Wrestling fans were, and they, were really behind it. Yeah, they were, and they just kind of led the land to slaughter when, when they put him in there with Butterbean. He'd never been the same since. All right, moving on. Uh, Mankind defeats Big Cho. Def- Mankind defeats Big Show via DQ in about 650. This is a hard-hitting match because Big Show, like, crushes Mick Foley with a Samoan drop in this match. Yeah, that was a cool spot. I like that spot. But that's, like, a legit injury. He crushed his rib cage and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, Foley got Foley got hurt just walking to the ring. He was so fucking fucked up. His body, yeah. had, you know. But yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a, a a pretty cool spot. I liked that match. It was cool, um, quick one, like you said. Then we have a fatal four way elimination match for the Intercontinental Title. It's Val Venus, Ken Shamrock, and Goldust getting defeated by no other than. The road dog, Jesse James. Um, this was okay. Um, I Like I said, I was disappointed, and they, they kind of swapped the New Age Outlaws into those mm-hmm. respective storylines, and I didn't think, I don't know, I looked at road dog, I was like. They could the have been swapped. You're, you're exactly right. It would have helped yeah. both of their careers exponentially. Yeah. But I mean, and I I felt like they had put a lot of time and invested in the whole Shamrock, you know, angle with his sister, and you know, I felt like the the payoff was leading to Billy, and for whatever reason, they switched it up, and you know, it just didn't have the same like pizzazz, like you know, what I mean, like it just didn't have that same feeling to it, you know, like it was before. So, no, agreed. That's why I'm not really a big fan of it. Uh, next match, Kane defeats. Triple H via DQ, 11.33. It's not a bad match, right? Yeah, it was solid. I liked Hunter's entrance. Like, he he, he came out from, you know, the crowd, and he attacked Kane from behind to kind of set things up and set the tone. Um, I thought that was interesting. Um, didn't really understand China getting back together with Hunter. No. In this match. Um you know, she was, you know, with the corporation. She wasn't. And they were kind of still. And forth and they were probably still fucking. <laughs> during that time? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. yeah. No, they were still. Yeah. yeah. Hunter was still. Yeah. It's like, look, I'll, I'll make you. Uh, just help me out. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it was okay. Like, I, I the, the crowd popped for when they got back together. Clearly, yes, they, they wanted did. to see Hunter and China together. Of course. As opposed to so being separated. But, yeah, so um, I guess at the end of the day, they got the payoff that they wanted. So, it was solid. Yeah. Of course. Uh, Sable defeats Tori in about five minutes for the WWE Women's Championship. Yeah. Um, Not that bad like of a Sable match, said, though. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, I you know what? For, like that, at that time, right, it, for 1999, and for two women that came out as fitness models, Playboy models. Uh, you know, like not really recognized in the ring, they delivered a decent match for us. Okay, yeah, I'll give it to you. It's solid. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe I'm bit, maybe I'm a little harsh, but um, you know, uh, yeah, solid effort from the two of them, considering their background or lack thereof. I'll give you that. Okay, uh, moving on. Shane McMahon defeats X Pac for the European Championship in eight forty one. I like this match. I really did. Me too. Um, <laughs> Me too. I, I, I brought this up. I, I made this point on my WrestleMania MVP Part 1 episode, which you can find over in the archives at SoundCloud.com by searching Kicking Out at 2, um, as well as on our social media, Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2, and on our Twitter at Kicking Out 2. Um, for the, the MVP for this WrestleMania, I gave it to X-Pac. And the reason why I gave it to X-Pac was because X-Pac took someone with lack, with, with not a whole lot of experience in Shane McMahon, and he was tasked to make that match look good. And he, oh, yeah. made Shane look like, he made Shane look like an equal to him. And X-Pac's character was very edgy and very cutting edge and, you know, um, a rebellious character. But he also was he also drew, walked that fine line of being able to get sympathy as well as a baby face. And he managed to, you know, stay, you know, stay true to his character, but also get that that sympathy from the audience. And at the same time, make Shane McMahon look like almost an equal, if not as equal as him as a competitor and did a fantastic job of it. And I, I commend X-Pac and his ability to be able to do that for, with someone like Shane McMahon, who at that time, that was his first big match and agreed in, in WWE and, and this is like it's so weird that we're coming up on this Wrestlemania now for 2019 where Shane McMahon has solidified his role as a heel and I absolutely love him because I didn't like his face role um, because he's always been known more or less as a shit heel um, yeah and he He's just, a good little weasel. Yes, yes, yes. And taking those bumps is necessary for that type of role. Um, yeah. For a face, yes, it can work. But he doesn't deliver his promo with as much inflection and charisma as he does with a heel role. You see this throughout the last two years of recent WWE stuff with him working with Daniel Bryan. And it just, like, the mic work is just... It feels staged, like he's just going to read the lines and he doesn't have an inflection or a reason to be a face. He knows he's a McMahon. Yep. Um, and yeah. then he comes into this role that they have him now, and it's perfect. 
he's back to the heel role. Um, he flashes back to like, you know, why he's a heel and recaps like what he loves about being a heel. It's it's just very great work. And X Pac puts him over in this match, and this is how Shane Mc, McMahon works in a match. Not that I've ever said that Shane McMahon has a bad match, but he works better as a heel. I would have yeah. even liked him better as a heel against Undertaker, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's a that's a that's a. I didn't think of that until you just brought that up, but that that makes a lot of sense. Right, like the shit, the shit heel son. Like we're gonna take out the Undertaker streak. You're gonna get beat one more time by my son you know like like have some history there i don't know yeah that's just me no i agree with you no i'm no i'm right there with you as a matter of fact like it's funny you brought that that scenario up because um i was boldly predicting that shane here's what i was predicting for that wrestlemania because that wrestlemania needed something like that wrestlemania sucked in my opinion because there were so many injuries but i i predicted that Shane and Taker were going to open that WrestleMania and with the hell in the cell and that Vince was going to help Shane screw Undertaker. Shane would keep his job or his ownership stake in WWE. And then later in the evening, Vince and Shane would have helped Roman screw Hunter and Stephanie out of the WWE championship later on that night. And essentially Shane was going to be like anointed as like the McMahon authority figure with Roman Reigns as his guy. Could have made the WWE champion. You know, I thought that would have been cool, but they didn't go that route. And you know, that, that was my, that was my bold prediction for that WrestleMania. But with this WrestleMania here, um, you make, you make a lot of great points that Shane, uh, definitely working better as a heel. Um, and what about the turn with Hunter, too? Because a lot of people don't really um, treat it very kindly historically. Well, and bring it, bring I, us I through that. Let, let's relive that moment. Well, you know, the, 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 the match is, is winding down, and the posse had gotten involved, and Test was on the outside, and Hunter and China show up, um, and X-Pac's got Shane McMahon... Um, you know, dead to rights, ready to ready ready to claim his European championship, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, China gets on the ring apron. Hunter grabs X Pac, delivers a pedigree. Crowd goes crazy. Shane covers him. One, two, three, match over. Hunter and China have joined the corporation, um, which officially. I thought was a pretty cool. Yeah, officially, I thought that was a pretty cool little twist, um, but. It was also a it was also a sad situation too because then that was the end of DX. And oh, I was, I was a big DX. I guy. was pissed as a kid, but I thought yeah. that they would write that into more storylines with X Pac challenging Triple H, which we would get, but it they never paid it off fully, you know. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it, it was done. It was done very quickly. Like Hunter and X Pac, they had their thing at the next pay per view, and that was it. And then like they they split them off and did their own stuff. X Pac became Kane's babysitter, and Hunter moved on to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. All right, the next match on the card is a Hell in a Cell match. 
it was hell just watching it. <laughs> it's um, the Undertaker defeating Big Boss Man in about 946. The only cool thing about that match was the end when he hung him. I remember like watching of him hanging there. I thought that was cool. This Everything was, else. This was the first live uh, <clears throat> WrestleMania that I had watched with my neighbor that we started doing. The the cop that I had told you about that we my neighbor that we had started hosting the uh, WrestleMania watch along parties. Yep. So yeah, I remember that. Yeah. This was the first one, and we were shitting all over this match. We were cracking up with the dogs pooping. Um, and pissing all over the mats. It was just terrible. Like, what were they thinking? I know, like, we saw the Butterbean. They thought that this would be an extravaganza. They thought that maybe this would be a match for the fans to see. Like, two hard-hitting guys, Mean Mark and Big Bubba, nearly ten years later. <clears throat> yeah. It wasn't shit. I th- I think what I think what happened was was that you know it was Undertaker, it was Hell in a Cell, and the last time they had done a Hell in a Cell match was when Undertaker threw Mankind off the cell at King of the Ring, and I think everyone expected something crazy to take place. And Big um, Bubba's not going to take that Big Bubba splash. Exactly, he, like Bubba Bubba barely caught Cornette when he fell off the scaffold and broke his legs at Starcade '86. Yes. He is not taking a bump off the top of that cage the way <laughs> Mick Foley did. So I think honestly, people had their expect. Even as a kid, I'll be honest with you, at 15 years, 16 years old, I had that expectation as well. So that that we were going to see something crazy like that, and we did. Thought he was going to like choke slam him through the cage. You know, but even even the, the quality of the match, like it was nothing to write home about. It was very slow and, pl- and and like, you know, plotting and you know, it just it didn't have. I don't know. I just wasn't. I I I didn't like it. Plain and simple, just yeah. didn't like it. The only thing I liked about it was the end when he hung Boss Man from the cage. I thought that and people like people look at that and they're like, oh, that's uncomfortable to watch. I'm like, no, that was kind of cool. Yeah, Not that, that, I, that you was know. the best part of the match. <laughs> Yeah, that was the best part of the match. People are like, oh, like, oh, really? You like that part? Like, yeah, I yeah. do, because it meant the match was over. <laughs> so, I, fuck. Yeah, that was about it. All right, the main event, possibly one of the greatest WrestleMania main events of all time. We can get there on our WrestleMania countdown that Dave and I host together, where we top down our top 10 WrestleManias in our opinions and we give our reviews of why they meet their criteria. This might meet one of our lists or possibly both of our lists. This is the main event. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin defeating The Rock 1652 for the WWF Championship. Uh, yeah, awesome. Awesome match. Awesome match, top to bottom. Both guys brought it. Um, everything, you know, with Austin's climb to the title culminated with this match. Um, all the shenanigans with the referee situation. Big Show got arrested because he punched Vince. He was supposed to be the referee, so Mankind was in the hospital, but Mankind would make a cameo later as the referee. Shawn Michaels kicked Vince out of the ring before the match as the referee. Um... Because Shawn Michaels said that the only person that could 
uh, name a special guest referee at a WrestleMania is the commissioner, not the owner. That says so in the WWF rulebook, which I thought was pretty stupid. But then again, that was Vince Russo writing. Um, overall, I just thought it was uh, it was a, it was a damn fun match, a really good match, entertaining as hell. Um, and we're worth the price of admission alone. Jim Ross came back for commentary during that match because he'd been out for a number of months with Bell's palsy. So, um, you know, for me, this WrestleMania is highlighted by that match and the European Championship match. But this match was a great main event and the beginning of a beautiful WrestleMania trilogy between these two guys. Agreed. And I couldn't put it in any better words. I want to take you a little bit further into the history of these guys. They had a match about a year ago on Raw, about 98, 97, I believe. And it was like one of these matches that ended in a DQ, and then they just continued this feud between this Intercontinental Championship, and then it built to this WWF Championship. It is the perfect heel and face role or storyline that we have ever been delivered in wrestling history in my opinion um yeah it, it was great it was great stuff it's it's comparable to like a rick flair wahoo mcdaniel um these guys yeah. these guys ch- challenged each other for a lesser weight or or a rick flair to steamboat i'm sorry in more of that ways to where a guy has challenged a guy to a up and coming title and they battled through those ranks and then they became solidified superstars in their own rights and then they battle for the championship on the main showcase. Um, yeah, just a great storytelling and I'm happy to be alive at this time to experience two of the greatest wrestlers and two of the greatest performers of all time. In my opinion, these two guys make it on the Mount Rushmore of, of, uh, of, of greatest wrestlers of all time with Hogan and Flair mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my four Hogan, Flair, Austin, rock. Nobody did it better. Yeah. Agreed. Um, this is the first series of three, like you said, and they, this is my favorite. Actually, really, yes. See, this was good, but I, I prefer seventeen. Okay. Yeah, I prefer seven. If I'm going to rank them, I'm going to go seventeen is the first one. Um, I I like I like fifteen, but I'm going to put it third. I'm I'm only putting the WrestleMania nineteen, the match between the two of them, second because, um, considering Austin's limited. Uh, with his injuries and the fact that this was the last time these two were ever going to wrestle in the ring, um, they put on a damn good match. They did. So they did. Um, I like this match. I like that match better than the WrestleMania 15 one, but all three great matches in their own right. Yes, indeed. Uh, very cool. So we are wrapping up the day here on Marking Out the Days. Another day within two hours, Dave. I couldn't do it without you. We have one more memorable moment that we'll bring up because it ties in with our special WrestleMania Top 10 Countdown that's going to be launching on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network launch on Podbean. Uh, WrestleMania 26. 
Oh wow! Yeah, this uh, this took place 2010. You and I had this noted both on our cards, at least for memorable mentions, and we'll get to it in the cards. You guys find out once you listen to that episode. Um, any any memorable stuff about 26 that you want to bring up on this episode? Um, I wasn't there for that one. My brother was, and uh, I mean, this was a fun show. It wasn't great but it was still a good show um Shawn Michaels Undertaker um clearly stole the show but not as good as the one the year prior um Cena and Batista was a really fun match um I enjoyed the Bret Hart return and him just kind of beating up Vince and in a, in a way this was like the clo- like the, the final chapter of like the Mr. McMahon character on a regular basis and it was fitting that it was with you know Bret considering that's where it really all started um yeah overall this was a fun show it wasn't it wasn't great but it was still a good Wrestlemania well uh we will see once we get to the countdown because I know this is on my list. Uh, this is a memorable one for me just because we go through the criteria of what makes it memorable for us for WrestleMania moments. Um, for me, it's the history and the storytelling throughout. Um, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels put on a great showcase for the main event. This is their second coming, like you said, but this is for the career. Um, yep, career in the sh- career versus the street. Yep, and then John Cena and Batista put on an epic match that you would never believe. Then Edge and Chris Jericho put on an epic match that you wouldn't believe. Then a like man who's awakened from paralysis, Bret Hart goes against Vince McMahon, like you spoke about long history there then CM Punk goes against Rey Mysterio another great match which was dwindled down to time constraints Um, but I think deserves a second looking as well as Triple H against Sheamus which I believe deserves another look at Um, another great card on the match which is why I placed it so hard and in, in my top WrestleManias, and then we get the story of Randy Orton with Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase Jr., Jack Swagger winning the Money in the Bank contract, Big Show and The Miz defending their championships against John Morrison and R-Truth, as well as Yoshitatsu winning at Battle Royal. Um, this was a great one with 72,000 plus in attendance at Arizona. Awesome stuff. I cannot wait for the launch of our program, WrestleMania weekend. Are you looking forward to WrestleMania? Tell us what's going on in kicking out at two. Tell us what's coming up. Dave, let us know. I, I cannot. You can find... You can find uh, this week's episode, WrestleMania MVP, the sequel, covering uh, WrestleMania's uh, 2002 to 2018. We give you our MVP picks, whether they're singular performances, uh, matches, highlight reel moments. Justin, Dennis, and myself, we, we, we chop it up and we talk WrestleMania MVPs. Next week, you can find us 
uh, as, as we're the precursor to the launch of the of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, getting you ready for WrestleMania. As uh, we're going to bring you WrestleMania weekend memories, where I sat down with a few of my old traveling partners and my brothers, and we talked about our excursions to uh, several WrestleManias over the years. Some incidences that took place, at, you know. Mania, Fan Access, Hall of Fame, The Hotel, um, all kinds of crazy hijinks going on. Um, just a, a, a very laid-back kind of uh, show where we just, you know, talk about, you know, the fun things that we did um, during those wrestle during those particular uh, weekends uh, attending WrestleMania. So you can find all that over at Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2 or over at our Twitter handle at Kicking Out Two, as well as over at SoundCloud.com, search Kicking Out at Two, and you will find all of that over there. And then some. Awesome, awesome. And as always, you can write to us at Retromania Podcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at Retromania Pod, or you can join the community at Facebook at Retromania with a W on Facebook. That's where we post pictures and insight into every episode that we launch and details there. And like Dave spoke of, April 4th is the launch on Podbean of Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And that's where you'll have the archive of everything Retromania Bonus episodes, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Kicking Out at Two, The Run-In, as well as Cooling Down with AC, the newest member of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, and bonus episodes of Gaijin Wrestling Radio. Everything here on Podbean. I cannot wait for next week, man. It's going to be stellar. It's going to be awesome. Um, so we're going to post an episode next week where I kind of direct everybody to those sites. And for the next week on our old posts, we will have like information to transfer to the next site. So everybody can rate, review, subscribe, like, and share, and that will help this new community and podcast network grow. Dave, dude, you ready for next week? Definitely ready. Can't wait. Awesome, man. Uh, we knocked it out of the park this week. As always, as usual, uh, marking out the days. Next week, guess what? It will be a singular rundown of <sighs> WrestleMania 9. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But some, someone's got to do it, so we're going to be <laughs> the ones to get it done. Nah, I, I'm only fucking around because, I, like we spoke of, this has a soft spot in my heart. So, um, yeah. And I know it does with you, too. So, uh, good night, Dave. And we will catch you guys next week as the launch continues. And uh, stay tuned and just stick around. <laughs> <laughs>